0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, we're continuing our series today called Thieves and Robbers, and we're talking about things that will come into our life and rob us from the more of God. And so we're reading from John chapter 10 is kind of where we're taking our cue. John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus makes this statement, I am the gate for the sheep and all who have come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. And they will come in and out, and they will find pasture. The thief comes to steal to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full, life more abundantly, life in the more. And Jesus finishes that part right here in verse 11 by saying, I am the good shepherd. And I'm so grateful that we serve a great leader in Jesus, and he is leading us in to life. And today I want to talk about two more thieves and robbers. It's really one, it's just one, it's just a progression of, of of the first one, and it's this discouragement and despair. You know, discouragement can lead to despair or a sense of hopelessness. I, I want to talk about a familiar character that we know in the scripture by the name of Elijah. We know Elijah, the prophet, the victorious one, and you read through uh, 1 Kings here, and you will see many stories, many powerful moments in his life, and he has this incredible victory on what's called Mount, uh, Mount Carmel in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 18, and he has this incredible victory where he calls down fire from heaven, it burns up a sacrifice, and he defeats 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, he is having tremendous victory. It's powerful. God's moving on his life. And he calls down rain immediately after that happens and ends a three and a half year drought. I mean, he is on the peak of his ministry. God is moving in his life. However, there was this woman that was running around named Jezebel. She's actually a queen. And Queen Jezebel is destroying prophets left and right. And I believe that at this point, Elijah has has In the back of his mind, that hey, I could be the one that she targets next, especially after this great victory. So he has this awesome victory, and this is where we'll pick up. In first Kings chapter 19, it says, Elijah was afraid. Now I don't know how he could be afraid after such victory, but it says he was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left. His servant there. Very important. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Alone, a day's journey away into the wilderness. And he came to a broom brush or a broom tree. That's where brooms grow from broom trees. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I mean, that's despair. He prayed that I might die. I have had enough Lord, he says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than those who have gone before me. So here's Elijah in this big moment. Have you ever been there? You've had a big moment. And you finish the big moment and you go home and you're like, I just feel so empty. I just feel so discouraged. And he's having this moment up to the point where he says, God, take my life. I don't know if you've ever been there. God, just take me home. I'm so done with this thing called life. And this is where Elijah is. He went from from this great moment of exhilaration, and then he goes from discouragement to despair very, very quickly. Discouragement. What is discouragement? Discouragement means this, to deprive of courage. To deprive of courage. It doesn't have to be extremely intense. It just has to be a little bit. It just robs you of a little bit of courage. To deprive of courage, hope or confidence. Dishearten or dispirit. We know Proverbs 13:12, a familiar passage that says, hope deferred makes a heart sick, disappointment, despair, discouragement. It makes your heart sick. And the longer you live in that condition, the more sick your heart is going to get. And I believe this escalated quickly in the life of Elijah. That word deferred in the the Hebrew language means drawn out or scattered. The hope is scattered. It's it's, it's hard to find. It's been drawn out. And I, I think a lot of times the way despair works is it always starts in a moment of discouragement. Maybe that's the way it started with Elijah. Maybe he just heard about the woman Jezebel and he was like, man, that's disappointing. Maybe he knew those prophets, man, that's, that's disappointing. And then disappointment can lead to discouragement. And the discouragement can lead to us being depressed and depression can lead to despair. I would say that despair is is kind of the last moment. And this is where Elijah is in the narrative. He's going, God, take my life, take me home. And it's very critical That when we're at the beginning of this process, whether it's disappointment or discouragement or even a a mild depression, it's important that we we deal with it at that point before it gets to the point of despair. We don't want to pray, take my life prayers. That can lead to a lot of things. So here's Elijah's condition. And this is what we see. Just, Just from these few passages of scripture, the first thing that we see about him is that he is afraid. He's scared. He's, he's reacting in fear. That's what fear is, is, right? Fear will cause us to react. Fear will cripple us. And here he is, he's afraid. And he, he probably had this fear for a while kind of lurking in his heart. And now he hears that Jezebel is after him. He's afraid. Then he has this other issue called self-preservation. All of a sudden, Elijah stops looking at his mission and he starts focusing on himself. He was afraid and ran for his life before he was running for the Lord, before he was running for the children of Israel, before he was running with purpose. And now he's running for his own life. And look where that got him. It got him to the point of despair. He was still, even though he was putting himself first, he was still ended up in despair. It doesn't work putting yourself first. He entered into self-preservation. His eye was off mission. Third of all is that he was alone. He was alone. His servant, he left his servant, the, the, the guy that was in on his life, that he talked to everything about. He left him and went a day's journey away. He was alone. And not only was he alone from, from this, he thought he was in his mind he was alone. He thought he was the only one. And we'll see this as the story progresses. He's like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's doing anything for God. I'm, I'm the only one that's experiencing these things. But you've got to understand that there's another hundred prophets that are reserved in a cave, just like that he's fixing to go to, a cave far away. He is not alone. There's other people that are dealing with some of the things that he's dealing with. But the enemy will always convince us that we're alone because he knows that that will cause us to feel despair. He was alone alone. So he's afraid, he's entered into self-preservation, he's alone, and he's downcast. God, take my life. I pray that I die. I pray that I fall asleep and never wake up. Maybe you've been there. The psalmist, we're familiar, David talks a, a lot about being downcast and Jesus, the, the good shepherd, knows how to deal with the downcast. When we talk about downcast or, or, or a cast sheep, we don't really know what that is in our, in our uh, American vernacular. Or if, unless you're a shepherd, you would know what cast means or downcast means. Downcast is, is something that happens to sheep. I believe we have a picture. So this is a downcast sheep, right? They have fallen and they can't get up. Maybe they were trying to scratch an itch. Maybe their, her fur had grown too big. Or maybe they ate too many uh, dandelions or something. And here they are falling over and can't get up. It's called being cast down or a cast sheep. And they get in this condition. How does that happen? Well, it happens because they've got away from the flock. It happens because they got in, in too far of a distance from the shepherd. And so they fall over. And what can happen is, is actually their lungs can start to collapse because they're not able to get any oxygen to their body and, and the blood flow won't work. And all they will do is just lay there and bleat and hope that a shepherd or another animal will come and help them get up. And this happens to us many times. Life happens. We suffer loss. We get knocked down. Sometimes we're scratching a niche. Sometimes we step in the wrong thing and we fall over and we can't get up. We're downcast. And what we need is we need the help of the good shepherd. I believe that God is saying three things to the downcast soul. Three of the same things that he's talking to Elijah about. So Elijah runs. He's there. He prays this prayer. And he's alone and he's just there and he's just dealing with his issues. And it says this in first Kings chapter 19, verse five, all at once, an angel of the Lord came to him and said, get up. So he's sleeping. How many know that depression, despair, enjoys sleep because it feels like an escape. He looked around. So an angel touches him, says, get up and eat. And that's the first thing you got to do. If you, if, you, if, you want, if you want to get out of your downcast position, you've got to get up and eat. And this is what the Lord is saying to you today. Just get up and eat. So all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a meal prepared for him, and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then laid down again. That's all he could get up for. This is the place he was in. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. I'm about to send you somewhere. It's going to be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him got up and he ate. And This is what we've got to do. If we want to get out of the place of discouragement, if we want to get out of the place of despair, we, the word of the Lord to you today is get up and eat. Get up and eat. God has for you daily bread. Daily bread. God has bread for you. Every time you wake up, God has something for you. That's why Jesus said when you pray, say, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Did you know that you have a Bible right there? Many of you, it's very dusty. Some of you, that app on your phone hasn't been opened up in months. And I I would suggest this to you. If you're discouraged and you have an unopened Bible, you have no excuse. He's given you something to eat. Well, I don't know what I'm eating. I, I just feel so. Have you eaten lately? Get up and eat. Not only do we have the word, we also have the presence of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm your substance. I'm what you need. I'm your daily bread. So eat. You know, oftentimes... The Lord provides a meal for us, and it's just something that we might not care to eat. I I went through counseling uh, several years ago, and one of the things that, that the counselor told me, he said, listen, Josh, one of the things that you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to eat the bread that the Lord provides, because I was wanting a particular kind of bread. I was looking for a certain sort of encouragement, and he was saying, listen, there's encouragement all around you. The reality is, and the question is, is will you eat the bread that the Lord provides or will you just pass that by because you're waiting on a different kind? And some of you have been living in this state of discouragement just because you won't eat the bread that the Lord has provided for you. In fact, some of you are starving, not because you don't have supply, but because you refuse to eat. It's just because you refuse to eat. It's not because that there's not anything in the house. It's not, it's not because you don't have a Bible app on your phone or a worship CD that you can play and collect. You have all the resources in your house for you to eat, but you just refuse. There's a, a staggering story that I, that I read from the New York Times in January of 1908. Obviously, I didn't read it from the New York Times, but I read it on the internet. And it's an actual article from the New York Times on January 16th, in 1908. So, this is like 112 years ago. And the headline is this Rich Man Dies of Hunger. Rich Man Dies of Hunger. A New Hampshire man, David N. Couch, one of the wealthiest residents of this place, died in his home today of starvation and lack of proper care. For some months, Mr. Couch had lived alone and although known to be the owner of more than $20,000 worth of property and presumed to be worth much more money, had denied himself proper food. He died of starvation. It wasn't that he didn't have the resources. It's just he refused to eat. Beloved, eat the bread that the Lord provides. Whatever it is, today it might just be a little scripture. Today it might just be a little phone call from somebody that calls you every day. But will you just eat the bread that the Lord provides? Get up and eat. The second thing that the Lord tells Elijah is this, go out and stand. Go out and stand. Basically, he's saying, position yourself to hear from me. as the story continues in First Kings chapter 19 verse 11, it says the Lord said, "Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, it tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire and he wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the wind. So after the earthquake came a fire and he was not in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper and the Lord was in the whisper. He was in the whisper. See, God speaks oftentimes in the whisper. We want it to be a violent voice. We want it to be a fire. We want it to be an earthquake. We want it to be like, boom, big revelation from God. But sometimes it's not that at all. Sometimes it's just a little small voice. The Lord saying, this is the bread I have for you today. But will you be close enough to listen To that voice will you be the sheep that is close enough in proximity to the good shepherd to hear his voice where his whisper will be louder than the enemy shouts. This is where he wants us. Why does God whisper because he likes being close. This is where he wants you and God was close and he was calling Elijah in closer. God wasn't in all the noise. He brought peace in the closeness and I would suggest this, in that whisper was a wind. In that whisper was an earth quaking shake. In that whisper was a fire. It was in the whisper. Are you willing to get in to the whisper? Are you willing to position yourself to hear? Are you willing to quiet down the noise and listen? You've got to position yourself if you want to receive the encouragement that the Lord has to give to you. You've got to be willing to bend your ear. I I want to share with you some of my personal process of of, of what I went through dealing with discouragement. And I would say that it was far on that scale. I'm not really sure. I'm I'm careful to to victimize myself. but, But about three and a half years ago, I went through a very, very, very dark season. I was definitely downcast. And I found myself like on the ground, just like one of those sheep kind of bleeding. In fact, I would talk to anybody that would listen about how miserable I was. I was not in a good place. And if you know me, that is not really my MO. That's not my go-to at all. The, the church was growing. We were doing well. But we had lost some people. We had moved into a building where we were man, it was like things seemed to be going pretty good. But I was tired. I was grumpy. I was stressed. I couldn't chill out. Was lashing out at the kids. I was las- lashing out at Leslie. All these things, and so here it is that that whole fall. I want to say it's two thousand. It was two thousand sixteen. That whole fall was just me always trying to fight for just a little bit of courage. It's the day after Christmas. I pushed through. I was able to muster up enough courage to get through Christmas with a with at least a half smile on my face. And we're in the van and we're traveling. Home, we're traveling to West Texas for Christmas for post-Christmas celebration with the family, and I am just irritable. And this has been going on for months. And Leslie asks me, she's frustrated, and we're kind of you know having an intense fellowship. And Leslie says, What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And I just remember just bleeding out. I'm just not happy. And as I said that, I broke at that moment. I'm bawling, and I'm kind of going to kind of complaining mode and, and kind of whining mode, and Leslie's bawling, and we're driving down, and I'm explaining to her all the stuff that I'm frustrated about. Finally, I opened up, and during that season, I'm, I'm, I'm going through, and I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm talking to, to my pastor. I'm talking to, to other pastors, people that are in my life, just trying to get some kind of counsel how to get out of this spot. And it's not happening. I mean, it's like six months. And God's moving, man. I'm hearing from the Lord. God's doing all this stuff. But I am in this place of of really, I felt like despair. I could not get out. For the first time in my life, this was nothing really bad had happened. It was just, I was just in this place I could not get out of. I'd been through much worse seasons, much worse things that happened to me. But I never dealt with this. I was never able to get out of this pit. And so we're we're at Disneyland that summer, 2017. Six months later, Disneyland, the happy place. We had this crazy thing happen that morning where we almost lost one of our children. We're writing phone numbers on kids' arms with Sharpies, and we're at the happiest place. And I was not in the happiest place. And Leslie makes this statement to me, and she's a little bit bashful about it, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. She said, there goes Josh being Mr. Miserable again. And some of you won't like this, but it was really the word of the Lord because I had started identifying with my discouragement so much that I had allowed it to label Josh Brown as Mr. Miserable. And that was it. That was the last thing I needed to hear. I was like, I'm done with this. It ends today. It ends. I'm leaving it at the happiest place on earth Disney World, not Disneyland. So we're on our way home, and I pull up my Tom Hop app, and there's a tweet that I'd posted nine years before this moment. Nine years. I'm prophesying to myself, nine years prior, prophesying to myself. I thought I was prophesying to somebody else, I was actually prophesying to myself. And it said this, there's a difference between being discouraged, a season of discouragement, and a spirit of discouragement. And the Lord showed me. He showed me in that moment. He said, Josh, you had been under a spirit of discouragement. You have been locked down in despair. And sometimes the only difference is a day, a week, or a season. But, beloved, you don't have to continue down that path that long. And I want to give you hope today that, you, that the Lord can bring you out of that. And there's some things that you can do that I'm, that, I'm trying to get you, that I'm trying to teach you today to help you get out of that place of despair, to get you out of that cast-down position. We've got to build in our life an ecosystem of encouragement an ecosystem of encouragement. So how do you do that? And I just want to share a few things that, that I did during that time to kind of keep my head above the water, even though oftentimes I felt like I was drowning. First is this, is to talk to and get around encouraging people. You've got to have encouraging people in your life. Listen, do you have people in your life that you feel better just by being around them? I'm not talking about what they say. I'm not talking about the activity that you're doing. But just by being in the room, you feel better. Do you have people like that in your life? If you don't, you need to have people like that in your life. People that you can sit in a room with, you sit on your phone, whatever it is, totally disengaged from them, and then leave the house and feel better. We've, we've had this conversation with people before. We're like, we just feel so much better just after group where we're like, well, we really didn't do much spiritual. We we prayed a little bit. We celebrated a little bit. But what was it? It's like we were together. We were experiencing that life together, that koinia, that fellowship. And you need to have people that are encouraging that you can be around regularly. That's why at our church, we promote community so much. Whether it's on a Zoom call or whether it's, you know, when all this stuff is over and there's 10 people in the house, whatever it is, you need to be around people. We were built for fellowship and people that are encouraging not just not just people that are drawing courage from you but also people that encourage you and and in order for that to happen you've got to be transparent you've got to be honest and you've got to learn to laugh again and some of you just need to learn to laugh again one of the most healthy things that you can do is laugh I believe I believe laughter is spiritual learn to laugh because God never, listen, God never meant for you to carry that pain alone. And God will often use, Jesus will often use people to help you carry that pain. So, well, I just need Jesus. No, you don't just need Jesus. You need people as well. And this is part of the problem with Elijah. Maybe he was arrogant going off alone. Beloved, you ain't that strong. I mean, we have two-thirds of a New Testament telling us, instructing us on on how to do life together. Two-thirds of it was written to churches, communities, people gathered together. So be transparent. Be real with your pain. Don't try to be spiritual all the time. If something's bugging you, have someone that you can talk to about. Don't become a complainer. Complaining is draining. But make sure that you have people in your life that you can talk to. I want to suggest this to you in a warning to not allow discouragement to become your identity. And this is what happened to me during that season. Anybody that would listen to, they would be how are you doing? Well, not really so well. And so I had to go back at the end of this because that's just not my personality. I, had to, I felt like I had to go back and like reach out to people that I, I remember just telling them, I'm just not good. I'm not good. Because it wasn't really even coming out of a place of vulnerability. It was coming out of a place of vomit. And there's a huge difference. And some people will walk around and use their discouragement or the despair as a badge, and they never get out of it. Every time you've met them, every time they're, you're around them, they're, they're just telling you how rotten their life is or how difficult this week was. And what does that end up doing to the, the encouragers? They end up getting drained, and they don't want to be around you because you're always that way because that has become your identity. Don't buy into that. You enjoy the attention of the pain more than the, the, the attention of the solution, and so you've, you've got to get out of this attention mode that says, you know what? I'll, I want good attention, not just attention because I'm not doing well. It's okay to be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's also okay to be okay. So talk and get around encouraging people. The second thing is this, be an encourager. Well, if I don't have courage, how am I going to? Because, because you have faith. And if you have faith, you can be an encourager even when you're not feeling encouraged. I've been there. I've done that. In in that season, that is one of the things that I made sure that I did is because I made sure that I was still encouraging people, that I was still picking up the phone, that I was still telling people they're doing a good job, that I was still rooting people on, that I was still being upbeat, that I was still being positive. Because if you don't encourage your encouragers, then there's nobody going to be there when you need them. You've got to also encourage your encouragers. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says this, the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You say, well, how do I feel refreshed more often by refreshing others? Because you're building that ecosystem. Now you can go and live. Now you can drink from that well that you dug. So be an encourager. The third is this is encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes, someone's not going to be able to pull you out no matter what they say, no matter how much time you spent. Sometimes it's just, they're just not going to be able to get you out. So sometimes you just have to take charge and you've got to start speaking to your own soul. This is what David does. And it says this right here in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. He didn't have anybody. Else. And if you go and read that story, all these Family members, all these people that he known had died. And it says this, but David, he was heartbroken, but he found strength in God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And I want to remind you that you are not the way that you feel, nor are you a victim to it. You have the ability to drive the condition of the soul. You are in the driver's seat. You don't belong to your soul. Your soul belongs to you. So take charge of it, speak to it, sing to it. And David does this in Psalm 43, verse five. So what he says, why so downcast? Why my soul, why my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? There's that word downcast again, right there. So why are you like that bleeding sheep? Why are you so disturbed within me? I mean, he's, he's prophesying to himself, put your hope in God. So sometimes when you're in despair, you just need to say, what are you doing? What are you doing in there? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so sometimes you just need to sing yourself into encouragement. Sometimes you need to shout yourself into encouragement. Some of you have been locked up in your house for six weeks. Just go and shut yourself in your car and begin to shout to the Lord your God. And declare over your soul I am free, I am his, I'm encouraged. So the Lord is saying today, number one, get up and eat. Number two, go out and stand, position yourself for encouragement. And the third is this, go back. So Elijah's here. He's praying. God's there. He's visiting. I was speaking to him and this says, then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, i have been very zealous for the Lord. <laughs> God, I've been doing it. These Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. There he is again. I'm the only one. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back. Go back. Go back to the land that you came from. Beloved, some of you need to go back. You need to go back to that place of faith. You need to go back to the way that you loved Jesus before. You need to go back to doing what God has built you for. You need to go back. You might not be able to go back to a physical location, but you need to go back in that place, in that state that you belong in. Go back. Because sitting on your hands will not heal your emotions. I, had a, I was feeling a little bit discouraged this year because sometimes it'll, it'll just come. Thank God that I went through it and I, and I know how to kind of get out of it. And I asked my good friend, Brad, we were praying together. And I, and I was like, man, I'm just tired. I just need rest. And he asked me this question. It was so good. He said, do you need rest or do you need wind? And I was like, I need wind. I need wind. Do you need wind? Go back. Go back. Go back to the wind generator. He's the the, the the birther of the Spirit. Go back and receive from the Lord. Get back to the care of the good shepherd. So what shepherds would do when their sheep would fall and they're bleeding, and they're not bleeding, but bleating. They're crying out for help. They're starting to suffocate. They can't breathe. If a shepherd can find his sheep, he will go and he'll Pick up his sheep off the ground, sometimes scoop them into his arm if they haven't put on too much weight, and begin to massage their legs, begin to hold them up and support them until they can stand back up on their feet. And they call this process restoring the sheep, restoring the downcast sheep. And I believe that the Lord is doing that to you today. I believe that the Lord. Is doing it in this season, right now, during this moment. Some of you have been just so discouraged. I, I've been a little bit discouraged, but, but what I'm finding is if I can just speak to my soul, if I can just get to that place of encouragement, the, the Lord is picking me up and he's working on me and he's getting to me to the place of encouragement. He's restoring me. And that's what David says in Psalms 23 when he's talking about God, the good shepherd, he says that, you know what? He restores my soul. He restores my downcast soul. And that is what the Lord is doing for so many of you today. He's restoring your soul. He's coming in. He's working on you. He's massaging your, your ability to stand on your own. He's strengthening you. He's breathing life into you. He's calling you your name. He is restoring your soul. And I don't know what you need today. I don't know what is the cause of your discouragement. Maybe it's grief. Maybe you've allowed grief to come in and and put you in this position. There is a difference between grief and discouragement. But sometimes grief will cause us to be discouraged. Process those things. Go through those things. You, you You don't walk out of grief tomorrow. You walk through it. But some of you are just dealing with that place of soul. Or you're just going, man, I can't get out. I can't get up. I'm on the ground. I'm calling out. I'm hurting. I'm aching. What I want you to do today is I want you to trust the shepherd. You know his name. So you don't have to just lay on the ground and bleed out cry out and whine out. You can actually call on the name that is above all names. You can call on that name of the one who has more compassion, who has more tenderness, who loves you more than anyone. You can call on him and he will come and he will pick you up and he will encourage you and he will strengthen you and he will get you to the place where you can stand. And then David even says this, he will put you on paths of righteousness. Righteousness. He'll put you right where you need to be.